0: This is Mystical Text with Adol Kazilski, and uh, welcome to one hundred and one point nine Chai FM. Yes, this is me, and Adol Kazilski, sitting in the seat. Really excited to spend an hour with you, studying Torah, my favourite, and I hope your favourite too. We are journeying with our forefather Abraham. We are in the Book of Genesis. We're in Parashat Lech Lecha, which is a book about the journeyings of Abraham, and we are about to start chapter 13. We're probably going to look at the whole of chapter 13 which constitutes 18 verses um, because each journey of Abraham gives us a- another lesson. Last week we discussed how Abraham journeyed down into Egypt and had an encounter with the Pharaoh there. And with his wife being uh, uh, abducted and we're going to pick up that story now when Abraham is returning back from Egypt and uh, he now lands up in another difficult situation and you know one of the interesting things about um, learning Torah this way is that you actually get to see that our forefathers are pretty human That their lives weren't just a bed of roses. We always have the perception that if you are righteous... Then, you know, everything will just go hunky-dory. And if you are not so righteous, then that's when you face all the troubles and trials and tribulations of the world. Which in truth, that isn't a reality. Each and every person, righteous or otherwise, is put down in this world in order to overcome challenges and obstacles to grow um, in their spiritual stature And even somebody as spiritual and as holy As our forefather Abraham As with many of the other um, forefathers and other great figures that we look at in history We all have our challenges and our obstacles and the things that we find difficult And really the bottom line is, is how do we overcome them? Because nobody, nobody is immune from the difficulties of life. Um, we're all given sometimes challenges that we don't want. Well, most of the time we don't want them. Um, sometimes they seem unsurmountable. They seem very, very, very difficult. But at the end of the day, that is the challenge and that is the journey. We're in a corridor, we've come from a world of souls, and after 120 years traveling, we will return to a world of souls, and in that finite space, which is very, very short in terms of measuring life as eternal, we have to have um, a certain amount of Tests a certain amount of um, what we would consider difficulties and challenges in our lives, um, so that we can grow from them. Very similar to the school situation, where you are kind of incarcerated in school from grade one to matric, maybe sometimes past that into university, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, a lot of times we use the saying um, when we make a mistake, saying business. Oh well, that you'll put down to school fees well we're schooling right now we're in the sec- the the part of our lives from a soul perspective that um, where we earn school fees and we will be faced with very various trials and tribulations in our lives and the the test is to see how do we overcome them and that is one of the reasons why we have to learn torah because we'll go look at the Life of Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Yosef, Moshe, all the various guys that uh, and 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 ladies, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Leah, all of them, they go through difficult hardships in their lives, and we learn from them how how to how to behave and how to take the various situations we find in our lives and how to react to them. So we're going. To, we just saw last week. What Abraham did with Pharaoh And how he reacted, what he did We're going to see another example now Of how it is that we Need to um, Do when we find Challenges in our lives So the story picks up from Avraham leaving Egypt. al Avram Mimitzraim, Avraham goes up from Egypt, who the Ishto, him and his wife, Etkolasholo, everything that they had. Remember they came out unbelievably wealthy from Egypt. The Lot Imor and Lot again, his nephew. Um, is with him, and where do they go? Ha Negba, they go to the Negev. Now we know the Negev is in the south of Israel. Um, Egypt is to the southwest of the land of Israel, and so obviously, as soon as Abraham um, crosses the border, he would find himself in the Negev desert. Where Avram covered me'od Avram was very heavy, meaning he was. Um, well, he, he, he was well endowed. He had a lot of money. He had a lot of, um, gold. He had a lot of silver. He had a lot of livestock. And then from the Negev, he continued his travels from the Negev to Beit El. And this is the place, the Torah tells us, where he had initially um, placed his tent, His tent, if you recall, when God told him to go out um, from his father's place and his birthplace and his land. And he comes to settle in a place called Beit El. So he goes back to Beit, Beit El, which is between Beit El and I to this the, um To where El Mekom Hamizbeach Asher Asha Sham he goes back to the site of the altar that he originally made there. And once again, when he arrives at this place, Avraham, um, calls in the name of God. Now, just a very quick, interesting halacha. That we learn first of all Why did he retract his steps That's basically what he did He went down one way And he retracted back Exactly the same way Our rabbis come to tell us That um, in mentioning that Avraham was very rich Is that Avraham had actually Become indebted to many inns um, and places on his way down into Egypt when he was fleeing from the famine And now he retracted his steps in order that he goes back to repay his debts And and this obviously is something that we understand very clearly in terms of Judaism That we are, <clears throat> it's incumbent, not we are, it's incumbent on us to ensure complete honesty at all times Finally, uh, the Torah tells us from the verse that Avram went to the place where he had his tent at first. It, um, it teaches us the following. It says, this teaches us that it's not good manners for a guest to change his place. If you usually stay with Ruvein. Then um, when you come to a certain city, you are not permitted to go and stay with Shimon when you return there as long as Ruvim is alive. And we'll dissect that a little bit more after this break. This is Mystical Text with Adol Kazilski. And we're looking at the most important book, the one that has been a bestseller for the last 3,000 years. And in fact, that is the Bible. And we are looking in Genesis and we are studying the, the journeys of Abraham. And just before the break, we spoke about the fact that from the verse... That says, and Avram went to the place where he had his tent at first. We learn there that it is not good manners for a guest to change his place. So if he went into a city um, and he stayed with a guy called Ruvain, when he comes back again, he's not permitted to stay with Shimon when he returns there as long as Ruvain is alive. And the Torah gives two reasons for this. Firstly, um, people may think badly about Ruvain. Um, And they might say, well, he must be a bad person because here a guest comes and the next time he comes, he doesn't want to stay here. He goes to a different host. So you might shed bad light. On Ruvain, And secondly, people may form a bad opinion of the guest and they might say this person must have done something wrong to his host and his host didn't want him to return. You could see how absolutely hypersensitive the Torah is to people's feelings, people's observations and um, how they guide us. To be careful to make sure that you're giving over the right impression. Of course, this there is no obligation to return to your original host if, uh, for example, your host steals from you, or you got really bad service from them, or if um, you are expelled. Uh, he expels you from his house, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, in either those two cases, the guest is no longer obliged. To return, but um, if the host is really, really happy with the person that he stays to, this is where we learn in the Torah that Aram returned to where his tent was at first, and um, he made his lodgings in the very same place <clears throat> let 's continue to verse five. And now here is the next challenge and obstacle that Avram faces. Now, Lot, his nephew, who had been traveling, who had left um, with Avram from Haran into the land of Israel, then continued to follow him into Egypt, out of Egypt. He, too, had a lot of sheep and cattle and tents. The land could not support them living together because their wealth, they were unbelievably wealthy. The wealth was great. They were not able to live together. There was just way too much to accommodate both of them in one place. Now, one could ask the question, why was Lot so worthy of all his wealth and the honor? And the reason given is because he accompanied Abraham. Um, he also not only became wealthy because he accompanied Abraham, but he also landed up with another two, um, good things happening for him. One was that down the line, Ruth, Ruth, the Moabite, Um, Which we read on Shavuot, the whole famous story with Naomi and Ruth and Orpah Ruth becomes the great-grandmother of King David And she was a descendant of Lot That was another blessing he received for hanging around Avraham And we're also told that Naamah, the Ammonite, um, who was King Solomon's wife And the mother of Rahabam, who was the king of Yehuda, was also a descendant of Lot Now Lot would never have been worthy Of this on his own But because he accompanied Abraham Wherever he went And he never left his side um, He landed up with these Three blessings Wealth being the ancestor of Ruth and being the ancestor of Naama who becomes the wife of King Solomon. Um, And this really teaches us how important our neighbors are, because when you hang around good neighbors, as Pirkei Avot will teach us, um, that you should find a good neighbor, when we hang around them, we have a good influence. When we find ourselves in an area, in a suburb, in a place, um, where we do not have such good neighbors, then the opposite does happen but having Said that here you finding Avraham and Lot and all Their possessions um taking Up a huge space And a fight Ensues and we're going to look in verse Seven Ben Roe Mikne Avraham Ben Roe Mikne Lot There was a big dispute That happened then Between the shepherds Of Avraham's flock and the shepherds of Lot's flocks. And at that time still the Knanim and the Prizim were found in the land. So what really happened? What was the argument that they were having? So the Midrash goes on to tell us that as we know at this point in time, um, and looking backwards, Avram and Sarai were still, were sterile. They couldn't have um, any children. We learned that in the Pasha of Noach. And we also know um, previously in learning um, Chumash that God bestowed upon Avram that all his descendants would, uh, would inherit the land of Canaan. Now, Lot himself was not a good guy. Um, he... He was very fickle, depending on what area or what surroundings he found himself in. So he would behave intrinsically. He was not a good guy. And as we said, you've got it. You should, you should choose your neighbors. Lot intrinsically wasn't great and neither were the people that he employed. So his shepherds too were wicked and they were pretty lackadaisical. Um, Lot's shepherds In muzzling their Animals meaning that What they used to do in terms Of not infringing on another Person's property is they would Muzzle the animals as they crossed Over certain lands and would only I don't know if the word is Demuzzle or unmuzzle but they would take off The muzzles of the animals when They were on the land which they were Allowed to graze in Lot's uh, herdsmen were wicked. They would allow their animals to graze in other people's fields. They didn't consider it theft. And th- why? They started having an argument. Their argument was, look, God had already promised all the people, um, God, sorry, God had already promised all the land of Canaan to Abraham. Abraham is old. He has no children and it doesn't look like anytime soon God is going to change Abraham's destiny And um, Everything that he's demanding of Abraham Is done by way of nature And since Abraham cannot have a child Anymore um, Abraham is going to die And since he doesn't have an heir Lot is going to inherit All that is his And therefore they argued This land actually belongs to us And we will graze Our livestock wherever We please That was their argument <clears throat> Well we can Counter argue this Because um, We could say the following If they're holding the premise That the land now did belong to Abraham Then Lot's herdsmen Were stealing from Abraham um, Because as long as he was alive You cannot take his property without his permission Just like it is forbidden For a son to steal from his father Even though the son would know that in a time to come, um, he would inherit um, his possessions. In fact, it says in Proverbs, one who robs his father and mother and says it is no sin is a colleague of the destroyer. That's what it says in Mishle. Um, and so if they were arguing, well, Abraham is sterile um he has no kids, God has given him the land. Um, so Lot is the rightful inheritor, even on that basis. Uh, sorry, Basta. But that is then as if there is a son, um, stealing from his father and that is not allowed. If on the other hand, they argued that the land did not belong to Abraham yet, then we could argue, well, then you're stealing from, from, from other people. Okay. And they came back and said, it says to your that god's promise to abraham about the land of israel was to your offspring i will give this land and that meant abraham had no other offspring it could mean nobody else but lot and since abraham raised lot as a son and the two of them had been together since lot's childhood it could only mean that lot was going to be his only heir and he can be considered as abraham's offspring and since god had promised it to his offspring that's why they had a right to allow their animals to graze everywhere. But the Torah says something interesting. When it talks about the verse, there was a dispute between the herdsmen of Avraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. They say five, six, five more words. "Veha'knani, um, ba'aretz," that the knanim and the prizim were In the land And therefore that means That God had not even given the land To the offspring So this whole dispute Did not hold any legal water And Abraham now understood That he had a very very big Challenge in front of him It was becoming pretty hairy Abraham was a very honest man A very humble man A a man who did everything By um, the law And here Lot and his herdsmen were really trying to um, find a loophole to do something that was not pleasant. And the most important thing was that Abraham and Lot looked the same. And um, people, the general populace, would get muddled up between who was Abraham and who was Lot. And Abraham didn't want Anybody to um, mistake him for Lot And so Avram says the following in verse 8 Avram, Avram says to Lot Let's not have any arguments Between me and you Between my herdsmen and your herdsmen Because we are brothers. Listen to this. Can you imagine if every single Jewish person would have this attitude, let's not fight, let's not argue, at the end of the day, we are brothers. Okay, this does not bode fair, uh, well for the outside world. So he says to Lot, look, the whole land is before you. He pared na Separate from me. If you go to uh, the left, then I will go to the right, and if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. So he's basically saying to Lot, let's quit it, okay? There's no reason for us to have a faribble, have arguments about who's right and who's wrong. Let's just separate. And you choose. Here's the whole land before you. Whichever way you go, I go in the opposite direction. You go right, I go left. You go left, I go right. Now, Abraham based this decision on four reasons. The first was that he actually was worried with for his physical welfare because um they had so many cattle and livestock that the custom in those days was to um clear graze the land meaning they would bring the flocks into a land let them chow it down to absolutely nothing and move on and um he was scared that the Canaan in the prism would actually get quite mad at seeing this humongous amount of animals of wealth uh, taking from the land. So he figured it's actually better that we separate and go our own ways. It won't look, you know, that bad. The second reason is a, a very obvious one. It's something that sometimes as Jews we unfortunately don't give up. Um, too quickly on, and that is that controversy gives rise to many, many evils. Lot was a very stubborn guy, and Abraham was constantly involved in disputes with him. And he understood that having a quarrel and getting involved in who's right and who's wrong doesn't bring any amicable solution. It in fact makes things worse. So that was his. Second reason, his third is what I just mentioned—that there was a very strong resemblance, physical resemblance, between the two of them—and he did not want to remain in the same place as his nephew, so that um, people would get muddled up um, between them. And that's really another explanation for the verse: "Ki Anashim Achim Anachnu, we are men brothers." Okay, meaning that we we really really do look the same. The fourth. The reason why Abraham decided to separate from Lot comes from Ruach HaKodesh, from divine inspiration. He foresaw that Lot would also have other descendants called Amnon and Moab. Moab, you remember, Ruth came from. They would be hateful in God's eyes. And if you look further in Deuteronomy, in Devarim, in chapter 23, God prohibits these nations from intermarrying into Israel. So Avram says to Lot, Hippared na me alai, please separate from me. Now, Hippared is related to the word pirda, which means a mule. Um, a mule apparently is a sterile hybrid of a donkey. Okay, just, and so basically what he's saying, just as a mule cannot have children, so Amnon and Mahab are not fit to... To have children who can intermarry into Israel, and um that is what I suggest we do. Lot agrees to all of this, okay? Um and what happens is Avram travels to the south and Lot goes to the north. And we actually see why Lot goes to the north. It says Vayisa Lot et we're now looking at verse ten. Lot lifts up his eyes, Kikar Hayarden, he looks at the Jordan Plain. He looked at the Jordan Plain. It was completely watered. This was before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and it looked like God's own garden. And it was like the land of Egypt all the way from Zoar. Va lo Lot et kol kikar <speaking in> ha-yarden. <Hebrew> Lot chooses for himself the entire Jordan plain. Va'yisa Lot mikedem, so he travels. Um, out he travels eastward. ish me'al adchiv, and the brothers separate from each other. Avram yashav be'aretz Kanan. Avram. Um, sits in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwells in the cities that are found in the plain, and he sets up tents as far as Stom. But look what the verse says next: the men of Stom are very wicked and sinful towards God. Now I want you to picture. Exactly where he finds himself. For anybody who has travelled to the land of Egypt, the land of Israel, and you find yourself in the area of Masada and that whole plain, you'll know that if you sit on the seaside of the resort at Masada, you will actually see Jordan on the other side of the river, of not of the river of the Dead Sea. That entire now wasteland was in fact. Very, very lush and very, very fertile that was before God came and destroyed it all. This is where Lot decided to put his roots this is mystical text with Edel Kazilski. welcome back and uh, we hear about the separation of Abraham and lot okay, and um, look where he chose to. To, to reside we were told that the people of storm were immoral they uh, performed many acts of idolatry many sexual misdeeds bloodshed they really were not the nicest bunch and in fact we are told that this is alluded to in the verse where it says that lot went eastward okay and the word there is used kedem now kedem does mean eastward but the more um, allegorical uh, explanation is that he went back to where he, forget him comes from, like meaning before. So he set out and he became what he was before. And that was a wicked good for nothing. And um, uh, again, here we see very strongly the message That where you find yourself is vitally important to your well-being And I think this is something that one always needs to consider when emigrating And it's not something that's necessarily always discussed You know, when we're talking about moving places You know, we're going to say, can we find a job? And can we find this? And can we find that? But not very often do you hear people saying But what environment am I finding myself in? What type of schooling and education am I giving my children? Um, What type of values and um, infrastructure am I giving my children Because as we know when Abraham was told to leave He was told to wipe all of those out of his consciousness Because it was such a bad place to be in And it was such an incredible fight to swim against the tide Um, And certainly on that point I have to um, emphasize and remind myself and others that here in South Africa we have an incredibly fertile ground of good neighbors of good environment where we can give a healthy upbringing to our children yes i know that you will all be screaming out there but well, what about the economy what about the crime etc cetera, etc cetera. there is another element to that discussion and that is um you know, still, where does your 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 children spend each and every day? Who are their friends? How many schools and schools are around us? What is the Yiddishkeit around us? That should also play a vital part in your discussion. Now, with this entire separation, there was a great debate between God and the angels. The angels felt that Abraham should die because um, he uh, was associating with Lot and treating him like a friend and a brother. And we are told, actually, that the divine presence left Abraham for the entire time that Lot was with him. Um, And we are told that when Abraham told Lot to leave, God was very angry with him. God said to him, even though Lot is wicked, you should have spoken to him. Maybe you would have improved his ways Um, now that you've put such a great distance Between him, meaning you in the south and him in the north You won't be able to look after him, see that he does good deeds And maybe he actually would have emulated you if you had stayed with him And so there is an entire argument over here And here is another interesting factor that is learnt From this debate between God and the angels The angels thought that why was Abraham there in the first place God was saying, Abraham, why did you give him up? You shouldn't have, um, and uh, the Midrash, um, the Yalkut Ma'am Loez goes and says that this teaches, and listen to this very carefully, that one should always remain close to one's relatives and not reject them, even if they are poor and are drowned, downtrodden. Because even though God did not speak to Abraham as long as Lot was with him, God was angry at him for sending Lot away so much. And then finally what we have over here in the last four verses is that God says to Abraham, after he separates from Lot, Lift up your eyes and look from this place, from where you are. Look. Look. Um, Look north, look south, look east, and look west. Ki et kol ha'aretz asher ataroe etnena adolam. This whole land that I that you see today, I am going to give to you and to your offspring forever. And now you can see that God's giving this blessing after Lot separates. And so the whole argument with Lot's uh, shepherds was null and void. Vesamti et ka'afar ha'aretz. I will make your um, offspring, like the dust of the earth. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So, if a man would be able to count the grains of the dust of the earth, then so too your offspring will be accountable. Get up, walk the land. Walk it, both in its length and its breadth. Because I am going to give this to you. Here you go and actually see that's how they marked territory by walking the length and the breadth. And so Abraham um, sets up his tent and he comes and he lives in what's called the plains of Mamre. Asher behevron. Which is in Chevron, Vajiven Shamizbech Lashem, that's where he builds a altar to God. Now, I want you to listen very carefully to the fact that he comes to Elenay Mamrein, which is by Hebron. And listen carefully. Hebron. Hebron today um, falls part of many, many disputes and arguments um, as to who has ownership. Abraham was there, the forefather of the Jewish people, settled there. In fact, this is where he buys the the, the cave to bury his wife. He actually pays for this real estate. And so, um, from a biblical point of view, from a historical point of view, Hebron is the property of the Jewish people. This is where our forefather, um, lived. And this is where he set up, where he, he remained for pretty much a long time. And so this is what's really fantastic about mm-hmm. learning Uh, The Chumash, you're getting it in the black and white You're actually seeing the historical facts About about our lineage, about our history And I recall very, very clearly That on one trip to Hebron Myself, with my family We were with a tour guide There were actually ancient steps um, That led to the old city of Hebron Which were pointed out to us By the tour guide And who said, these are the steps That Abraham walked What a wow How many people can say the words Elokei Abraham Elokei Yitzhak Elohei Yaakov I'm praying to the God of Abraham Yitzhak and Yaakov And go back to their burial place 3000 years How many of you can go back Past your great grandfather Great great grandfather I know I've had the merit Of standing before a grave Of my great grandfather Seven times back in my lineage But that I think is is an extraordinary thing and something that is really not of 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 ease to anybody else, where, where anybody else can say that so easily. But every single Jew can stand um, by the grave of Aram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Sarah, Rifka, um, and Leah and say, this is our land, this is what our forefather walked, this is the land that he promised us and he, he paid for this real estate and this is ours. This is mystical text with Adol Kazilski, and that's the wrap up that we have for Parshat Lechcha this week. Um, the lessons we learned is number one: we should be very, very cognizant of the. Area, the environment in which we live and in which we raise our family, and it's not about the crime and the the um, ability to make money. There is something much greater because the environment certainly does influence. Our children. That is the first thing that we learn from Avraham. Of course, we learn that Faribel is not a good thing amongst the Jewish people. In fact, Avraham did as much as possible to um, minimize and discount it. And uh, you can see his magnanimous um, offer to Lot that whichever way you go, I will go the other. That, again, is something important that we need to carry on from the legacy of Avraham. And finally we see the honesty and the humility of Abraham that he retraced back steps that when times were tough and that he had difficulty, he made sure that he actually paid back everybody that had paid a kindness to him. Again, an important trait to ensure that we have in each and every single one of us. And with those ideas, I leave you for the week. I hope you have a fabulous one. I won't be in studio uh, next week. I'm away, but I will pick up again with you in two weeks' time. In the meantime, enjoy.